Well, good morning. Welcome to church. I'm glad to see you. <laughs> and let me say to this, to those of you who are joining us online, I can't see you, but I'm so grateful that you've taken this opportunity to worship with us. I hope that wherever you're watching this, that you're feeling, I'm going to say it like this, whom we're feeling. I feel God this morning, and, and I don't know if you've noticed it, but over the past several weeks, there just seems to be a renewed sense of the presence of God in our church. I know that He's here. I know that He's working, and man, is just so refreshing and so exciting and enjoyable when you, when you come to church and you feel God, you experience God together with everyone. This morning, I want to kind of stay with a theme that Tim started two weeks ago. He started a little sermon series entitled, Jesus is Still... Dot, dot, dot. And so this morning, I want to stay with that. We want to find a word that we can use to complete that sentence... Jesus is still, and where we're going to find that word, I think I found it in a story that is recorded in the Bible in Matthew chapter 8, but also in Mark chapter 4. Let me give a little background, we're going to dive right into the story. Jesus had uh, been experiencing a long day. He had been teaching. He had been healing the sick. He had been fighting the forces of evil by casting out devils. And as the day is coming to a close, look what happened. We're going to read from Mark chapter 4, verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. I think that almost speaks for itself, but they pay me to talk, so let me elaborate. Let me give you the interpretation. Man, it's going to be so complicated. He said, let us, the 12 of you and me, go from this shore of the lake. And he's talking about the Sea of Galilee, often referred to as the Lake of Gennesaret. He said, what we're going to do, boys, we're going to get in one of those boats. And we're going to go from this shore to that shore. About eight miles, right? So what did the guys do? got in the boat with Jesus, and they set sail across the Sea of Galilee. wasn't long until they found themselves in the midst of a fierce storm. That's the way the Bible describes it. Not just a storm, Beverly. It was a fierce storm. And if you look it up in the Greek language, it means they encountered gale force winds. Now, you're going to think, you're going to, I know what you're going to be thinking in these next few moments. Man, I didn't know Ronnie was so nautical. <laughs> you didn't know he knows so much. Listen, all I know is how to Google things. That's all I know. I say. <laughs> what that means is they encountered winds on the open water of somewhere, but sustained winds between 40 and 65 miles an hour. This storm came on them suddenly. There was no warning. They didn't get a notification from the weather channel, you know, batting down the hatches, get to dry land, do what you got to do because it's about to get. I'm telling you, it came on them just like that. 
40 to 65 mile, mile an hour winds over the open water. What impact do you think they had on the sea? Well, the Bible tells us very clearly in Mark chapter 4, the waves got high. Now, in the, in the midst of gale force winds, let me tell you how high the waves get. Somewhere between 25 and 40 feet tall. I've never pictured that in my mind. In all my years of reading this story, I kind of saw waves about as high as me. You know, it just, no. 25 to 40 feet high were the waves, and the waves were pounding on their boat. Wasn't a yacht. All right, you, talk, you know what I'm talking about? wasn't a John boat, but it was about a 30-foot-long boat made out of wood. And they're trying to navigate that in 40 to 65-mile-an-hour winds with 25 to 40-foot waves. Well, every wave that hit them left a little bit of water in the boat, as you can imagine. And the next thing you knew, the boat was full. They're sitting waist-deep in water in the boat. I'm telling you, the edge of the boat is right down on the edge of the sea. Now, these were experienced seamen. These were they, Listen, they were raised on the water. So how do you think they were responding? Huh? Do you think they'd ever been in a situation quite like this? Probably not quite like this. But they've certainly got some some measure of confidence in what they're doing. No, the Bible said they were scared to death. They were terrified. You know why they were terrified? They assumed the worst. You say, how do you know that? Well, they said themselves, plainly, where you could hear it, we're going to drown. This is the end. This is the way our story ends. We're all going to go down in the sea tonight. This is it. Now, while the 12 men are experiencing this, what was Jesus doing? Oh, you look at this. Verse number 38. Jesus sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. You know what? When I read that, you know what I, you know what I say? you kidding me. Huh? You, he did what? How? Jesus <laughs> left up a pillow, you know, lay down in the back of the boat and was howling wind. Did not wake him. You know, the boat being thrown around all over the place did not wake him. Water splashing in on him. He's lying there soaking wet, dead asleep. But I imagine the guys were cool with this. They knew he was tired. He'd had a long day, right? I guess they were okay. Wrong. Look at this. Uh, verse 38, Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up carefully, gingerly, thoughtfully. <laughs> <laughs> they woke him up shouting, and look what they said. Teacher, don't you care? I want you to notice they're rebuking him. Huh? The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Matter-of-factly, positively, this is what's happening. You understand what they just did? They accused him of being uncaring. Uh, if, you, if you look at the, the phrase, this is what it means. This is what the actor said. Uh, don't we matter to you? Because this is the way we look at it. If you cared about us, you'd have done something by now. 
If you cared about us, you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't have let us sail into this. If you cared about us, you'd stop this a long time ago. If you cared about us, you'd do something. So we kind of got it figured out. You, we don't matter to you. Matthew chapter 8, it says they added kind of a demand. Save us. Get us out of this. So after they rebuked him, you know what Jesus did? The Bible said he stood up. I'd have been afraid. i got to be honest with you. I'd have been afraid if Jesus, if I rebuked him and then he stood up, I'm like, oh, no, this can't be good. Jesus stood up and did some rebuking of his own. You say, I bet he rebuked them. Well, not at first. He got around to it. The Bible said he rebuked the wind. I mean, he just stood up, looked off into the distance, and just said, hush, that's enough of that. I forbid you to keep blowing. Be still. No, be quiet. I'm sorry. Be quiet, he said. Then he turned to the waves and he, and he spoke to them and he said, And you, you stop all the commotion. Be still. Parents, you're familiar with those two terms, aren't you? Be quiet and be still. <laughs> teachers, be quiet, be still. Now sometimes, you know, to our children or to those whom we teach, they may or may not obey us. Jesus said to the wind, you be quiet. To the waves, you be still. And guess what? They obeyed him. Wind stopped blowing just like that. And, and listen, let me tell you this. The waves, it didn't take them a while, you know, to kind of do this and kind of settle in. Immediately, as still as glass. Where there had been a fierce storm, now the Bible said there was a great calm. And then Jesus turned to his men. I want you, sorry about wiping my nose, man. I don't know what's going on here. Um, Verse number 40, Jesus, he said, then he asked them, and here comes the rebuke. You ready? Why are you afraid? It didn't really make sense to Jesus why these men were so afraid. He said, do you still have no faith? You know what he's asking? How could you possibly be afraid when I'm right here? Guys, I'm not getting it. I need an explanation. How could you possibly be afraid when I'm right here? How could you possibly be afraid when you've seen me perform miracle after miracle? You know what I'm capable of. I think he's going, I'm a little confused here. I need an answer. Why? How could you be afraid when I'm here and you know what I'm capable of? And he said, do you still have no faith? Which means, how in the world did you arrive at the conclusion that I would never come through for you? Now, I don't know exactly what he did next, but i tell you what I think he did. I think he, I think he got his pillow, his wet pillow, fluffed it back up. I believe he crawled back in the boat. Lay down, I believe he went back to sleep. You say, what makes you think that? Because the disciples started talking about him and him right there. 
And you know what they said? They looked at one another and said, what kind of man, man, what kind of man is this? You know, I believe they thought he was kind of like a modern-day Elijah or Elisha, prophet sent from God with miraculous powers, but there was something about that night. There was something about what they saw. There was something about what they experienced that was opening up something new to them. You know what they're exploring, Tony? They're exploring the possibility in their minds that he's more than a man. What kind of a man speaks to the wind and the waves and they obey him? You know what they're starting to think? I think, guys, we've had God in the boat. Look what happened next. Mark chapter 5, just the first part of verse number 1. So they arrived at the other side of the lake. You know what strikes me about that, David? I think that's where Jesus told them they were going, right? I think he said, that's our destination. We're all going to the far side. And they ended up exactly where he said. So if I'm looking for a word, I think it would be this. Jesus is still faithful. What do I mean by that? When I say that Jesus is faithful, this is what I mean. Now my nose is really going to start running, you know? (laughs) Jesus always keeps his word. You with me? I'm going to teach you something about your Jesus. He always keeps his word. He never, ever breaks a promise. He never fails us, but rather in the end, he always comes through for us. You ask Ronnie, where did you see that? In verse 35, Jesus told his disciples, we're we're going to the other side of the lake. Well, did they? Sure they did. Everything worked out just as Jesus said it would. Yes, he let him sail right into a storm, and yes, he let the storm rock on much longer than they wanted. But in the end, Jesus came through and delivered them. He safely carried them to the far shore. According to the New Testament book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know what that means, don't you? If Jesus was faithful, Jesus is still faithful. Here's what it means to us. Whatever Jesus says he will do, he will do. Jesus will keep every promise that he ever makes to us. And in the New Testament book of Hebrews 13, 5, Jesus made you a promise. He made you one. And you and you and me and all of you out there watching online, he made us a promise. And what is the promise? This is what he promised. I will, what's that word? It should be on the screen. I will never, under any circumstances, for any reason, Nose running, spit flying. Man, I'm just, you know, a disease waiting to spread to somebody, huh? We're going to have to push all these chairs back next week. Man, it's dangerous. Huh? What a promise. I promise you I will never fail you. 
Let me put a spin on that promise. It could have been easily worded like this. I promise you, I'll always come through for you. Is this big stuff or what? I, Jesus, who can't break a promise, am making you this promise. I will always come through for you. Wow. Jesus is still faithful. So how do we respond to that? And you know, I... I listened to the last song that Brock and the guys did, and I couldn't believe how well it correlated with my sermon when Brock and I didn't sit down and talk about this. And I think there was a line in that song that said, I know how my story ends. And here's what I'm suggesting. If, if, if Jesus is indeed faithful, here's what I think we ought to do. We ought to remember how our story ends. What, what was Jesus doing in the heart of that storm? He was sleeping. He was resting soundly, completely undisturbed by everything going on around him. He was experiencing great tranquility in the midst of great turbulence. How could he do that? Most commentators that I refer to cite the fact that Jesus must have been exhausted. After all, he was human, and he had been working long and hard. I believe there's some truth to that. I don't dispute that. But I also thought about this. Jesus was also God, and as God, he possessed infinite knowledge, and perhaps I should word it like this. He possessed infinite foreknowledge. That's a fancy way of saying this. Jesus knew how their story ended. He knew. He knew what he was going to do. He knew just when he was going to do it. He planned all along to come through and deliver these guys. He knew that every one of them, every one of them, was going to make it safely to the far shore. So why sweat it? On the other hand, the disciples were scared to death. You know why? They assumed the worst. Their dire circumstances coupled with Jesus' lack of intervention convinced them that we're going to die. We're going we're to drown, they shouted. That's tragic. Because to reach that conclusion, they must have forgotten how their story would actually end. You see, Jesus had already told them how the story would end. Let's cross to the other side of the lake, Jesus said. Do you notice what he didn't say? James, he didn't say this. Hey, guys, there's a wicked storm brewing out there. But I think in spite of that, we need, we need to try to make it over to the other side of that lake. And i got to be honest with you, man, I, I hope you make it. But uh, I'm really worried that uh, some of you are going to drown out there. This will be your last trip on the open water. You know, guys, I'm sorry. Nope. He said, we're all going to make it. We're all going to cross from one side of this lake to the other. Essentially, Jesus told them how their story was going to end. To reach the conclusion, they were all going to drown. They either forgot how the story was going to end, or they never took Jesus at his word to begin with. They didn't believe he was faithful. Either way, it produced fear and lots of it. It also produced pessimism and soured their attitude toward Jesus. 
They became angry with him and accused him of being uncaring. Okay, time out. God, I'll just bet you I'm talking to somebody right now and you're starting to see yourself in this story. It's stormy in your world. And you're scared to death. You know why you're so scared? You're assuming the worst. You've looked at the circumstances of your life and, and they are overwhelming. You've looked in Jesus' direction and to date, He hasn't done anything to help. So you've concluded that things aren't going to end well for you. Therefore, you're frightened, probably depressed, and probably disappointed in Jesus. You know what I think the problem is? You've forgotten how your story ends. Remember the promise Jesus made to you in Hebrews 13, 5? I'll never fail you. Nothing can prevent Jesus from keeping that promise to you. Jesus is going to come through for you. I don't know how. And I don't know when. But I know Jesus. And He is faithful. Therefore, listen to me. Ronnie the prophet is speaking to you right now. You ready? I know how your story ends. Jesus is going to come through for you. And you're going to make it. Now you listen, I've got to repeat that. I know, and now you know, how your story ends. Jesus is going to come through for you. And you're going to make it. Don't you ever forget that. In the middle of your storms, in the middle of your battles, you've got to constantly remember how your story ends. Remember how your story ends and you'll be able to uh, take your pillow, fluff it up, and lie down next to Jesus and rest long before the storm is over. You'll experience great tranquility in the midst of great turbulence. It's kind of like Edward Bloom says. If you know how your story ends, you can survive everything in between. You may be asking, now who is this Edward Bloom? Is it a preacher, Bible teacher, theologian, successful author? Edward, Edward Bloom is a fictional character from the movie Big Fish. Man, I studied hard Thursday afternoon for about two hours, Greg. Two hours. I downloaded the movie Big Fish. And in the, in the movie, at the outset of the movie, as an adolescent, Edward Bloom and two of his buddies go out into the swamp looking for the home 
of a legendary witch. Now, by the way, I want you guys to all understand it's a movie based on fantasy. I don't believe. You know what I'm talking about. So they go looking for this witch, and legend has it that she has a glass eye, and if you look into the glass eye, you will see how you die. So Edward goes up on the porch and knocks on the door. The witch comes to the door. He takes her down to meet his friends. She asked these two guys, do you want to see how you die? They said, absolutely. She took the patch and she lifted it. They look into the glass eye and they see how they die. They see how their story ends. She looks at Edward and said, Edward, do you want to see how you die? I said, nah, I'm not worried. Don't care. He escorts her politely back to the porch, and she turns and says, one more, ask one more time, Edward, you sure you don't want to see how you die? He said, nah. He said, you know, wait a minute. That could be helpful. Because if I know how my story ends, I can survive everything in between. She lifted the patch, and he saw how his story ended. As the movie continues, oh, Edward finds himself in one harrowing situation after another. And I tell you, his immediate and natural response is to be afraid. And then he would say out loud, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What have I got to be afraid of? I know this is not the way my story ends. Knowing how your story ends will help you survive everything in between. And now you know how your story ends. Jesus is going to come through for you. And you're going to make it. Don't ever forget that. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, I, I just want to say this first. Uh, first of all, thank you. Thank you. Thank you because <laughs> I think we all look back and can identify with these men on the sea. There have been times in our lives where we're convinced this is the end of our story. But it wasn't. You showed up in the nick of time. You did things that we couldn't do, no one could do for us. And you delivered us. I pray this, that we'll get it. That we'll start getting it, that that's just who you are. You are faithful. And so that means that whatever predicament we find ourselves in today, whatever predicament we find ourselves in sometime this year, we don't need to sweat it. We need to remember how the story ends. You're going to show up and rescue us right on time. So I pray that we'll go forward with peace. In Christ's name we pray this. Amen. I'll catch you next time.